0: got some new people so i need the old people to get come on little old people you're old timers now you know how to, you know how this works head that way head the right way and then everybody else knows where to go there you go little old people little old timers Belinda you're up all right Belinda's doing our scripture reading today so turn to philippians chapter 4 notes you can take notes in the bulletin or bring a journal and write your own notes or sign on to the u version app uh, Gene, keep me posted on that. If I ever forget, you need to sk- waggle your finger at me. Now we didn't have it last week. That was purpose. That was intentional. So I had a week off. Yeah. Philippians chapter 4 What Why'd you go, yeah? <laughs> 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 Isn't that what camp is? It's like a week of vacation, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah just yeah, ask anybody so who went to camp. <laughs> just ask anybody. That's a yeah, that's a week off, right? That's a that's a free vacation, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, you keep believing that. You're going next year. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, follow along, Philippians chapter 4. You are reading verses? 4 through 9. 4 through 9, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Amen. If you live for a hot minute on planet Earth, you will quickly realize that there is tension in everyday life. It is the tension between reality and the way we know things should be or the way we want things to be. It is the tension between the life we live, and God's ideals for the life that we should live. It is the tension between um, practical life and theoretical life. And the only place where that tension has been resolved is in Jesus Christ, who lived a life in complete union with God to to (laughs) to the extent... That whatever tension came into his life He made it one with his life with God He didn't fall into sin The temptation to grasp and do things The way the world wants to do things And to fulfill self And to make much of self Never came out in him He found the way to make peace with the world Even when the world wasn't at peace with him and in today's list, the Apostle Paul is showing us he's arriving. He has an understanding that there is tension in this world, and he's giving us a way to resolve the tension. And this it's not going to fix the world unless it fixes the world one person at a time. This is not a formula for everybody. This is a formula for you. These things are things you need to look for. These are adjectives and descriptors of the life you want to live because it's not the life you have. So it's really tempting, fascinating, appetizing. The title today for these two verses is Dwell and Practice. I'm going to move through these two passages in three parts. First, we're going to look at the context and placement of these verses. It's been a couple weeks since we've been in Philippians. So we're going to recapture what Paul is doing, what he's recently said. So we see this teaching in its proper place. Then we're going to need to go through and just define all of these words. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, excellent, worthy of praise, dwell and practice, Uh, We're going to need to define those. So be patient. That's the second part. And then we're going to wrap it up by really personally evaluating how well you dwell and just how much practice you put into practice. Uh, So that's, that's the direction I'm headed with this morning. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, this is for believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. These Things. Here's, your, here's your next blank. This is not a to-do list. This is not a list of things that you do and then you become right with God. Wrong. That's, that's not what this is. It is not a to-do list. Now, it'd still be proper for you to say, God, help me to be like this. But this is not a list of things that make you right with God. You got that? Because Jesus is our righteousness. Paul covered that already in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own derived by the law or keeping of commandments, but righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Got that? We're right with God on basis of faith in Jesus. Jesus is what makes us right with God. Not our lifestyle, not our works. That's an important distinction here. Uh, You can come to this passage poorly and say, oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. I have to be truthful, honorable, right, pure. No, you need to be A person whose faith is in Christ to be right with God. Let's clear that up. Paul's already covered that. So he's not saying, do these things. He's saying, look for these things. Look for them. Jesus is our righteousness. And ultimately, as we're going to see when we define these words, these words only fit God perfectly. You're not going to find any person, place, thing, experience that embodies all of these. It's only in God that we are going to find uh, what we need. Our mind needs to be fixed on God. So we need to ask, where do we see God? This list is going to flow, has flowed out of verse 7. In verse 7, a couple weeks ago, we read, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the guarding of our hearts, the guarding of our hearts and minds, it's a big deal because this world is not our home. And this world is trying to influence our hearts and our minds. And this world, because it's against God, is trying to influence our hearts and our minds to do, Disconnect from God and to do things on our own. So, the guarding of our hearts and minds is a very big deal. So big, in fact, that we need God to guard our hearts and minds. How does God guard our hearts and minds? Back it up to verse 4. As we rejoice in the Lord, no matter what. Again, I say, rejoice. So, we need to focus our praise on God. Verse 5. Let your gentle or forbearing or patience be known to all people. The way we handle other people allows God to guard our hearts. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing because you're going to be anxious. I like how practical Paul is right here. Like He knows anxiety is coming. He knows pain is coming. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, we're to be a praying people who take our anxieties, who take our fears, who take our needs, who take the pressures of life. And instead of worrying about guarding our hearts, we throw it back to God and we ask him to guard our hearts and minds with thanksgiving. And we let our requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, verse seven, guards our hearts and minds. Where? In. Christ Jesus your location is all important your spiritual presence which is actually his spiritual presence with you when you are in Christ the natural overflow is the peace of God guarding your heart and mind guarding your heart and mind we have a role to play God is guarding our hearts and minds but we still have a role to play so what is the role Well, from verses 4 through 7, I see our first role is one, pray. We need to be a people that talks to God about everything. It doesn't just say rejoice. It doesn't just say be nice to other people. It says when anxiety comes, when anxious things, when worries come, take it to God. With heartfelt, remember that word, supplication? heartfelt intensity with thanksgiving it's not just a pity party it's not just complaining we mix in a healthy dose of I'm, I'm thankful thankful for thankful for help me with this and I'm thankful for that help me with this and I'm thankful for that protect me from this and I'm thankful for that mixing in a healthy dose of thanksgiving it balances out your prayer life so your prayer life becomes more about praising God for what he's given instead of just missing what you don't have that's important it's mixed in there so we have to pray and in today's passage the second part of our responsibility or our role in guarding our hearts god is the one who's guarding our hearts and minds but he tells us to pray and two today he tells us to focus focus on the godly things of life focus on the things that will remind you of god Focus on the things that will lead you to God. Focus on the things that can only come from God. Focus on spiritual things. That's what this list is about. And I have to confess, my earliest impressions of Christianity, my earliest impressions of church were, thou shalt not. (laughs) It was a long list of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't act like this. Uh, but one of the things I've been astounded by and really overwhelmed and grateful for is the more I plow, slowly plow through this book, plow through the Bible, I'm being overwhelmed with the amount of positive encouragement that is actually in here. So much more of what I should do and how I should be than telling me what I shouldn't do and how I shouldn't be. God is a God of grace and mercy and patience, and kindness. He will absolutely come in judgment one day, but in the meantime, He is merciful to thousands upon thousands of generations of people. There's way more positive and encouragement than I first recognized. God is slow to anger and abounding in grace. So Paul gives us this list. And these items are going to be reflections and reminders of God's nature and God's presence. So you can think of verse 8 kind of like a lens, that you're throwing up the spiritual lens and you're filtering everything in life through this lens. Uh, you can think of this, this list as a bunch of puzzle pieces. And as you begin to see the pieces coming together in life around you, either in your life or in the lives of others, you're getting a good picture of God. This is not about getting... It's not not throwing up a mirror. I need to be all of these things. No. It's throwing up a picture of God. He is all these things. And as we find these things, think about these things, practice these things, the miracle is we're in Christ and He is changing us from glory to glory. These things should become evident in our lives. But let's be frank. They're not going to be perfect on this side of heaven. We're still going to have faults and flaws. So don't measure yourself by these. See God in these. And then we begin to refine. We pray intelligently. We focus our lives. We narrow down the busyness of life to the things that matter most. What are those things that matter most? Whatsoever is true. True. What can't be hidden? And I would add, what can't be hidden forever? This world is closing its eyes to a lot of truth. It'll come out. The truth comes out. Whatever is true or authentic or genuine, if something is true, it becomes open and obvious to see Eventually, it is undeniably real. True. God is true. Honorable, dignified, venerable, serious. I like this one. Deeply respected. Write that down. Honorable, deeply respected, worthy of your honor and your attention. A clear picture of this is uh, in the military when somebody stands at attention to a superior officer. They stand at attention until they are relieved. They're tense. They're ready. They're going to obey. They're going to do what the orders are because they find somebody deeply respectable, honorable. Uh, But only God deserves our deepest respect. It is only in Him that we find perfect dignity. Right. Whatsoever is right. Right. That's a word we use a lot. What it should mean is approved by God. Always correct. Always right or righteous. Always just. Correct according to to God's standard. It's not just right this time, it's right all the time. Pure. Whatsoever things are pure. My first thought was pure as the driven snow, right? Like unpolluted, undefiled. But this this word pure has a uh, a more religious overtone it means ethically ritually and ceremonially holy or sacred in other words it can enter into god's presence without being condemned or burned because there is it is unpolluted it is unmixed and there is no hint of contamination If something is pure in this sense of the word, pure, then it is able to stand in God's presence. That's not me. It's only Jesus. Lovely. This word translated lovely is only used this one time in the entire Greek New Testament. So I need to pause for just a second has the word love in it and we've had a healthy uh, understanding of the word love throughout church life you've got phileo brotherly love you've got eros kind of an erotic passionate love and you've got agape love unconditional love this is not any of those words so uh, as we define this word for lovely it, it needs its own category that's how rare of a word it is only used here what does it mean? If something is lovely, it is worth the effort to have and to embrace. This is a fascinating definition of a very unusual word. Paul is saying here's something that should capture your attention. Here's something you should look for. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely to have it, but you it is so lovely you will make it a part of yourself. It's not just something to appreciate from afar. It is something to appropriate and make a part of you, make a part of your life. That's the depth of this word. It's it's a zinger. It's a good one. Worth the effort to have and embrace to appreciate and appropriate personally. Keep looking for that one. Whatsoever is of good repute or of good reputation means well-spoken of, reputable, well-reported of, of unquestioned character. Another phrase we use often, or we've heard, is above reproach. If something is of a good reputation, it is far above being blamed for any ill, any ill intentions, any any sin, unquestioned, of good repute. Excellent. This is the word for morally good, not just excellent. Like, how was that pizza last night? Excellent. No, 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 no. It wasn't, your, your pizza is, is not capable of moral decisions, right? So this, this, it, we, see, we use these words differently than they did. So it's important to, to kind of get a, get the gist here. Doesn't, you don't, it doesn't mean you can't call your pizza excellent. I'm just saying, this is excellence on a different level. All of these words, are like Paul kind of goes out of his way to use words that take everything from ordinary life and he supersizes them. If something is excellent, it is morally good, virtuous, upright, without corruption. Not just high quality. This is the key. Because the pizza is of high quality, but also of high character. So this is, this is a different kind of excellence. This is an excellence outwardly, inwardly, physically and spiritually and emotionally. It's a very special word, morally good. If anything is worthy of praise, worthy of praise means worthy of appropriate commendation or attention because it relates to God's direct will or actual will or clearly defined will. If something is worthy of praise, it is worth appropriately commending because it is God's will. It's God worthy. If something is praise worthy, it's worth talking about in the same sentence with God himself. This is a heavy list. (laughs) I'm glad it's not a to-do list. I'm glad this is not of... Hey, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be all these things. Ooh, I'm toast. Come unto me, all of you who are weak, weary, laden, heavy laden, burdened, broken. This is what Jesus is inviting. He's not inviting people who are this. He's inviting people into this. Come unto me. Why? Because Jesus is true honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good reputation, excellent, and worthy of praise. You see how he's, he is inviting us into all the dynamics of the nature and character of God. You think you just gave your life to Jesus. Whoa. You are a part of so much more. And the Christian life is about delving into these characters and and noticing the nature of God so that you will live your life with God. Not from a distance, but you've been invited in. You're not just following Him. You're with Him. You're in Him. You're part of Him. He wants to be one with you. He wants to unite with you. He wants to fill you with His Spirit, lead you with His Spirit. He wants your prayer to be meaningful. He wants you to lose track of time itself when you are reading about Him and talking to Him. He wants to be such an important part of your life that you lose track of the rest of your life. We know what that is. If you've ever been young and dumbstruck with love, we usually call it puppy love or cloud nine, if you've been a newlywed, you can be so captivated by somebody or if you've got a new hobby and you go into academy, you can lose track of time looking at that which you want the most, that which has captured your heart and captured your attention. So it is when you're on a, on a date with somebody that you're enthralled with. This, that, that feeling of immersion and oneness and closeness being known and knowing that and and educating yourself and growing and being attracted to something and and knowing that it that's the christian life or i should say that's what should be the christian life should be should be our problem is we settle for things that are not part of that list or anywhere near that list. We settle. Well, he only lied to me once. Well, I know I shouldn't have done that. Well, I know that's not the best profession. Or, yeah, that was a bad decision. We, we live in a constant tension between <laughs> Reality and God's ideals. We live in this constant tension of we know how things should be, but we live another way. Like, what is our problem? Our problem is we're not close to God. Here's Paul's prescription You want to be close for God? Start looking for these godly things, and something fascinating is going to happen. You will find yourself drawing closer and closer to God. There is no organization, there is no church that is all of these adjectives. We all fall short. Don't become jaded or cynical with Christianity because you don't see these things in Christians. You won't. You'll only see them in Christ. Instead of looking for these things in other people, start cultivating these things in yourself because this is what it means to have Him because it's not really you. You are not true, but Jesus is. And if anybody ever says of you that you are truthful, that's you doing what God said to do. That's them praising the God who is coming out of you. If, you ever, if anybody treats you and thinks you're honorable, you're worthy of respect, it's not because you're worthy of respect. We know better. That's why sometimes our kids have the hardest time respecting us because they see us morning, noon, and night. They see us me- mess up. They see us lose our temper. They catch us when we lie. They catch us when we don't keep our word. So we need to cultivate these things and not become jaded when they don't go right, but rather turn our eyes upon Jesus. We need to be a people who are looking to be the right kind of people. And so we have dwell. Here's the list. And Paul says, dwell on these things. The word dwell means to compute or reckon to a logical conclusion. That's weird. I thought it just meant to think. No, it's not just think. It's not just, it's not the word meditate. It's not just turn it over, turn it over, be good. It's think about something in such a way that you come to a logical conclusion and you make a decision and you choose it. Think about these things so much that this is the God you want. And you won't settle for anything less than this. You're going to choose Christ. You're going to choose godliness. You're going to choose virtue, not the opposites. Dwell on these things. Consider them worth your time, worth your effort. Dwell on come to a conclusion, make a choice, and then he says in verse 9, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. That's a pretty bold statement. Paul says he's living these things out. All these things I've talked about, that you've heard about, that you've seen and that you've seen in me. Practice these things. Do them. Wait a minute. I thought these were only God things. Exactly. Can I do them? No. That's the point. God can do them in you. And here we enter the paradox of Christianity. Be holy. Only God is holy. (sighs) I give up. No. No. Because God has corollary promises. You search after me with all your heart. And he knows your heart is broken. He knows your heart is desperately wicked. He knows your heart needs some help. Search after me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love the Lord your God. And God says, I will meet with you. I will be with you. He's got his end. You've got your end. And he'll make it work. Be holy. I can't. I understand that. God is very patient, (laughs) slow to anger. Every time we throw up a... Wait a minute. Be holy. I can't. Good. We've got that settled. Jesus can. Do you have Jesus? Yeah, I have Jesus. I prayed for him when I was in fifth grade. Have you prayed since then? (laughs) Have you been baptized? Are you following the Lord now? Are you praying to him regularly? Following Jesus is not a one-time deal because let's define the word practice. This word he uses for practice is a routine or habit of doing things. It is not a one-time accomplishment. When he says do these things, when he says practice these things, he is saying make these God qualities, make these God-sized Adjectives, a part of your daily life, which means God needs to be a part of your daily life. If you want these things to be true of you, you need to have God himself because only he can do these things perfectly. And so the goal is not so much to be all of these things. The goal is to be one with God. To have a spiritual life where you are connecting with him on a regular, daily, moment-by-moment basis so that, here it is, his life becomes your life. That's what Jesus talks about. This is what his emphasis was. This is what his prayer is for us, that we would be one with him and with each other and we would all be one with God. How can we be one with God? because that's the only way we can be the people he's designed us to be and when you are these things you are giving glory to god god is coming out of you god is radiating through your life you're being truthful as truthful as a human being can be you're being honorable as honorable as a human being can be you're always going to fall a little short cut yourself some slack if you fail if you mess up you make a mistake you you don't do you're not always respectable Apologize, repent, and get back to Jesus. Get back to Him. Dwell on these things. That's going to take a lot of time. Practice these things. That's going to take some effort. Here's the hardest part. It's saying no to whatever you want to do. I'm going to say that again. The hardest part of spiritual living is saying no to self. You. Are your own worst enemy Because you want things That give you instant gratification You want things that puff And build yourself up You want to make much of yourself That's not your job God wants to make much of you He wants to sing over you, rejoice over you As you make much of him He wants this to be a give and take relationship Not a just, hey, give, give, give Absorb, take No, 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 it's not about you Step out of yourself. Pray. Focus on the things of God. Develop some spiritual habits. God quality things. At the end of verse 9, if everything goes according to plan, if you do everything Paul's told you to do, if you live the life Paul is expecting you to live, even willing to be beaten for the gospel, even willing to be thrown into jail for the gospel, even willing to be abused, taken advantage of, spoken against for the sake of promoting Jesus. He says that you've seen these things in me, right? That's Paul. You've seen everything you've seen in me, received from me, heard from me, practiced these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. And isn't this what we really want? and a life of tension, we need God to come in and bring peace. It doesn't mean He fixes everything, but He brings us peace. Even if the world is on fire, we can have peace with God in such a way that we are untroubled by the world, and the world will be full of trouble, that's a promise, but Jesus has overcome the world. By the power of His death, by the power of His resurrection, by the power of Him now seated at the right hand of God the Father, He's got you. So you don't have to get it all right. But you do have a role to play. Focus on godly things. Write this down. Focus, look for, and be ready to dwell on godly things, and God shows up. God shows up, or maybe finally you show up. So I think God is already at work around us all the time. And we're praying for him to show up. I, think he's, I don't think he's mad at us or irritated, but I think he may have a little bit of like, come on. What do you mean show up? I never left. I promised I would never leave you or forsake you. And we're like, oh man, God showed up. And God's like, Uh, about time you showed up what are you talking about I i never left i've always been at work i've never abandoned this world i'm here for it i'm working i'm moving god is doing miracles all of the time it is us who need to show up how do we how do we see god how do we notice god we have to be on the lookout for the things of god what kind of things true things honorable things right things pure things lovely things things of good repute things of excellence, things worthy of praise. Let me tell you, we can see glimpses and little nuggets of these truths and these purities. We can see them in nature. We can see them in relationships. Now, they are not the fullness of God, but they are little pointers reminding us that there is a God behind all of those little part truths, pieces of truth. And when we do see these things in ourselves, in other people, in nature, in relationships, in art, we can see beautiful things. And we, as Christians, need to say, thank you, God. Show me more. That shows much of you. You're incredible. God, the colors. God, the sounds. God, the beauty in that in that sunset, in that song, in that masterpiece. We don't praise the human makers. We don't praise nature. We praise the God who allows us the chance to glimpse a little bit of himself bleeding through things of this life. And he's there. Here's a thin veil if we'll be a people of prayer who are actually looking for God. When we look for godly things, God will show us up he wants to be found have you thought of that god wants to be found have you ever played hide and seek with a three-year-old they can't stay still for two seconds like they're hiding and they're like (coughs) you know you play with a teenager they're like statue like they don't want to be found little kids want to be found they like the thrill of the chase. They're like, I'm over here! Like, they, I see God with that kind of eagerness. He wants you to find Him. He's not Bigfoot. He's not elusive. He's not a myth. He's real. And He is giving you clues to where He is. Here are the clues. Look for these things around you, in you, in situations and praise God for them when you find them and you will begin to see more and more of God show up in your life it's it's amazing when God when we dwell on and when we practice godliness God is with us, write that down if we will take these things to heart and we will make decisions and choose to dwell on spiritual things godly things and if we will discipline ourselves to practice spiritual things, that we, we know we can't be perfectly truthful, honorable, right, pure, lovely, but we're gonna do our very best when we do things at work, when we do things at school. I am going to present myself to other people. I'm giving them the best of God that is in my life. And it's not about you. It's about God teaching you to do these things. You only know these things are virtuous because God just said they are virtuous. So if you try to be as virtuous as God wants you to be, You're not not a hypocrite if you fall short. You're a human being. You're going to fall short. Cut yourself some slack. Cut your neighbor some slack. Cut your teacher some slack. (coughs) Cut your kids some slack. Cut your parents some slack. Cut your preacher some slack. Cut everybody some slack. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to make this 100% of the time. But we can dwell on these things, practice these things, and God will be with us. Last one. God is with His people at all times. I'll never leave you or forsake you, but we will see God better when we focus our hearts and our minds on the person of God. I think that's what Paul's aiming for here. To to, um, cut through the tension of reality and help us realize God can be with us right now. We are not a people who are looking to go to heaven. We are a people who are looking for God to come be with us now. Cultivate that. Look for that. Focus on that. If you will look, you will see God's fingerprints on everything around you. Those fingerprints will be true and honorable, right and pure. So take the time, take the effort uh, this week to focus your heart and mind on, on things that make you think about God. Um, to that end, I have to ask you, what is keeping you from dwelling on God more? From what, what keeps you from dwelling on godly principles? Are you just too busy? Too tired, too sick, too many responsibilities, too many excuses, too many bills. What? What if, I, if you had to sit down, list out your life, and say, man, I just don't have time to dwell on God, write down the things you think that take up the bulk of your time, and then purposefully pray this. Pray this. God, what can I cross off from my list? I need help. I just don't feel like I have the time or the availability to dwell on you. I never do. I haven't done it over seven days. All right, your goal next week? One day, one hour. You don't have to go, like, hardcore here. Take some baby steps, folks. You want to see God? Focus on Him. He can be seen. If I want to see you, I have to wear these stupid things. Otherwise, I can't tell if you're scowling or smiling at me. And now I know you're scowling. Yep, that's it. No, for real. It's the same way with God. We want to find Him. We want to see Him. When we see something that's pure and honorable and true, use it to get a better idea of who God is. Walk by faith, not just by sight. This is spiritual life, so do spiritual things. So what's keeping you from dwelling on godly truths? and? What is keeping you from practicing godly habits? When I say godly habits, I mean what is keeping you from practicing godly habits for extended amounts of time? Do you have bad habits? That's a good place to start. There are several thou shalt nots in the Bible, and they're there because we shall. We have to shout not sometimes. There's stuff in your life you know you need to stop doing. Will be a grown-up. Grown-ups say no. Children do whatever they want. Are you spiritually a grown-up? Are you spiritually a child? If you do whatever you want, your habits, your addictions, your hang-ups, you're immature. Simple as that. You want to grow in your faith? You want to become closer to God? And you want to see God show up? You want to look at the world through grown-up eyes and see God everywhere at work and you're eager to join Him? then you need to put on your uh, your big boy pants, cinch the belt, and tell yourself no. Your spouse can't do that for you. Your parents can't do that for you. You have to do that for God. You do it for God. Maybe guilt keeps you from doing the right thing. You feel so guilty or sh- full of shame or fear. You have a fear of failure that you, oh man, I... I just can't do that because I won't be able to keep it up. Like It's okay. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Pray anyway. Pray more. Pray weird. Just pray when you think of it. Pray when you're driving with your eyes open. Enough of you already, Oklahoma, drive with their eyes closed, so I, I'm just going to say we're spiritual drivers. That's all there is to it. That, that must I get behind a lot of spiritual drivers. Like, whoa, did you see that? Pray. And be weird about it. Be the first one to mention it. Pray. Open it up with your family. Open it up at work. Pray. Talk to God. Develop some godly habits. Don't worry about your guilt or your shame. Confess when you're wrong, but move on. Move on. So, what a list, the Apostle Paul. just I feel like he just pulled out a two-by-four in the middle of Philippians and just walloped me upside the head. Okay, okay. This one's for Craig. There he goes, because that's not me. Knocking me out of the park. I needed it. We need it. We open the service with Psalm 46, and I want to read one verse from that to conclude. It is Psalm 46:10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations even if you don't get everything right. I will be exalted in all the earth, even if you stumble and fail. That's a good word. God says, hey, 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 hey! Be still! And know, and dwell upon it, that He is God. Practice these things. Eventually, He will rule and fix the whole earth. Stay seated while we pray today. God, we come to You in a moment of quietness and stillness, with busy lives, with guilty lives. We have shame and we have failure all throughout our past and all within our memories. We have failed you many times over. Sometimes we do what we should not do, and we sin. Sometimes we don't do what we should do, and we sin. But right now in this place, with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, We are being still. And God, we are asking you, show us right now how we can better dwell upon your awesomeness and how we can better put into practice the things we say we believe. Show us as we are still and quiet. How can we dwell on these truths better? How can we practice these things with pure hearts? God, we want to see you show up. We want to see you with us. We want to join you. So please teach our hearts and our minds. Guard our hearts and our minds from the busyness of this world. So that when you do speak, we are listening. And we can even hear your still, small voice. Church, don't miss God this summer. Look for Him. Listen for Him. Pray to Him. Focus on Him. Be still. Just be still. And know deep in your heart that He is God and He's God. God, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.